Episode 22, No Timeouts. Here with a special guest. Got a nice slate of things to talk about. Uh, so we're going to talk about the Niners, Rams, best teams in the NFC. You know, of course, we got to talk about the bum-ass Cowboys, Eagles. Somebody has to win the NFC East. Dumpster bowl. <laughs> Sadly, somebody, unfortunately, has to win. Happens like that every couple of years, I guess. Uh, Bills, Pats. Uh, of course, we're going to get into J.R. Smith. Um I don't even know what to say about J.R. Smith, but but we'll get in, we'll get into that as well. And then finally, our NBA dark horses. Um, who's going to make the final you know final two spots in the East and the West? There's a lot of mediocre teams, similar to the NFC East. Somebody has to get in. We'll tell you who. Um, and for all my betters out there, I will have my bet my lock of the week. Uh, make y'all some money. But with me today, for the first time, no timeouts debut. My good man Pope. How are you doing, man? Great, man. What's good, Mo? What's good, everybody? Hush, Poe, ready to get into it. Let's get to these NFL games, man. I feel it. A two to tie. Michigan would have to bring it. Oh, he walked. He walked in. A referee missed it. Weber brings it into the front court. They have no timeouts remaining. Oh, he calls it too many timeouts. That's a technical foul. He called a timeout. Michigan doesn't yes. have any. He got by with a walk, and Jimmy calls a technical. He, he calls a timeout. He doesn't realize that's Michigan's too many. And so it'll be a technical foul, North Carolina shooting, and the ball. A huge mental mistake, mental mistake, mental mistake. Mental Shout out to Kari for uh, getting you on. He says he's going to get on. He still hasn't gotten on, but got you on before he got on. Yeah. Nah, he's scared. Nah, I mean, he's not scared because right now he's feeling good because, you know, his Ravens are doing good. The Our Ravens. Oh, I'm oh, a newly converted oh, oh, Lamarvelous. Oh. One. Oh, damn. I didn't know. I, no, if I knew okay, you was a okay, bandwagon hopper, I wouldn't have had you on here. Look, this man, man talking about the new, look, just man. newly Ravens. He's not, been not even a, from Baltimore. I've been in a. I, hey, man, I grew up there. I I went to college in Morgan State in Baltimore, so I became a man in Baltimore. I got ties. I was tired of this domestic abuse relationship of Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so. I am a newly converted Baltimore Raven fan. Yeah, I did you a favor and took the Bucks off the slate. We we're going to talk about the Bucks because they were on <laughs> Saturday. You know, they were playing the Texans. Oh, we're going to uh, get into it. Uh, are we? Are we, we going to get into the Bucks? Did you want it? I was trying to do you a favor and didn't want to talk we about the Bucks. One of the biggest Pro Bowl snubs in Pro Bowl snub history. Who? On both the AFC side and the offensive NFC side. Who? Jameis. Oh, what? I throw picks Winston. Hold on, what? Deserves to be in the Pro Bowl. Over who? I say there's a technicality here. Why is Drew Brees in the Pro Bowl? Right. He missed, what, five games? Almost eight. Played about six and a half, seven games, depending on which what you count when he left in certain quarters of a game. But... He missed the fourth of the season, damn near half. I mean, but it's like what fan vote, coach votes. Vote. Fan vote counts for a third. Coaches and players count for the other sixty. So I don't know. Who, I don't know who voted him. I'm sure the fans were gonna vote him in heavy. I mean, he's breaking records. I get that, but I mean, well, to be fair, Jameis is out I here. He's probably breaking records too. I can't put you in the Pro Bowl. Jameis right now is first in the league in passing yards. And he is second to only Lamar. He does lead the league in interceptions. Turnovers. That's a that's a triple double right there. Uh, what other quarterbacks do you know can do that? That's like telling me you get a triple double and ten, <laughs> ten turnovers is one of them. You got hey, ten man. rebounds, ten points, and ten turnovers. Hey, I also have to give you credit for that. No risk it, no biscuit. Uh, look, all right. So my point with Jameis is, you can't have 
two, two thousand yard wide receivers make the Pro Bowl and then omit the quarterback getting them the ball. Why not? Because he is doing something. You know, they'd be He's they'd be at fifteen hundred each if they had, if they had a real quarterback. James Winston is a real quarterback. Oh. James Winston by buck standards. By buck standards. Completely by buck standards. But that's the standard we have to talk about. That's the lowest. That's that's like one of the lowest standards there is. That's what does that mean by buck standards? That's not the point. Name another buck quarterback. You get enough the point. That is the point. James Winston right now has a patchwork offensive line. He has zero running game. The Bucks have had the dead last thirty second running game for three straight years. Not to mention he's only had a thousand yard rusher. Twice in his five-year career, Doug Martin both times, rookie year, contract year. Did it help Jameis? No. Because in both of those seasons, he had one of his worst statistical seasons. His last Pro Bowl season, he is eclipsing those numbers currently. But he is omitted from it because of the interceptions. I get it. However, again, no risk it. No biscuit. Look, all right, and man. Uh, enough about the goddamn hijack the goddamn podcast. I just told the people the five things we was going to talk about. The first thing you want to talk about the goddamn Bucks. Well, we uh, talked about locks of the week, and my lock of the week is that Tampa Bay will lose to Houston. You can book that. However, Jameis Winston will have a better day than Deshaun Watson. Did you see they have a, a line out now on Jameis Winston? Uh, what time? Of the day, he'll throw his first interception. It always comes on the first drive. Well, yeah, so that's it. That might be your lock of the week because the 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 over under right now is, is two thirty p.m. Tampa Tampa is also four and one when Jameis Winston throws an interception in the first drive. <laughs> you want useless stats? You want the useless stats? <laughs> Man, look, y'all, the seven and seven. We're talking about a non-playoff team, seven and seven. Look, and I like Jameis. He's probably the second most exciting player in the league. Outside of Lamar, because because literally anything could happen when he has well, the ball. He could run for ten yards. He could throw for ten yards. He could throw a pick six. He could throw a seventy yard touchdown. Anything it's everything is up in the air. So I'll, I give him credit. They're a great team to watch. But stop. They're talking about the pro. Stop. I, like, we I said this. They're a seven and seven Tampa Bay team, and it's going to segue us into what we're about to talk about next. Which is going to be the seven and seven Cowboys and the seven and seven Eagles? I much rather watch Tampa Bay than either of those two teams in the playoffs. All right, well, well, you brought it up, so let's just let's just talk about that first. We'll just get right into it. Dumpster bowl. Cowboys and Eagles, <laughs> seven and seven. They've both tried their hardest to lose. I mean, the Eagles went out there, lost to the Dolphins when they, they could have, you know, took command of the, of the first place of the NFC East. Uh, so who who you got in that game? I, in the words of Stephen A. Smith, the Cowboys are an accident waiting to happen. However, I do have to take them in this game. The Eagles are trotting out two goddamn wide receivers for this game, man. They have two healthy wide receivers. Oh, is it down to two? They're down to two. And they're not even a starting two. Those two that they're down to were practice squad guys. Hey, Greg Ward came up with that big catch. (sighs) Greg Ward. He also dropped. (laughs) <laughs> the hey, uh, game-winning touchdown the week before that Ertz had to save them. So it's it's everyone has a case of the butterfingers on the Eagles. Even the tight ends this year, they're getting overworked. But I do have to commend them for salvaging this season. And one thing I can take away from this season for the Eagles is that boy Carson Wentz is the truth, man. There's no doubt about it. He's making the throws. He's doing everything possible that you can do. To pull this team out of the gutter, man. Really? Because I feel like he could be playing better. With who? It's not about 
with who or with not. I'm watching the games and I just see he's missing. He's just missing more throws than I would like. For somebody who is supposed to be considered a top five quarterback by many, especially when he was, you know, MVP right. talks or whatever. Oh, well, he's paid he's, like one too. Yeah, paid like one. So, so we're putting him on that standard in terms mm-hmm. of how we're judging him. And I'm looking at it. Don't get me wrong. Like you said, two receivers, like, they're, they're basically throwing the tight ends and running backs. Right. But to me, if you're throwing to your own your tight ends and running backs, that means, one, your completion percentage should be extremely high. You're not throwing it down the field. That, that part of the game is out of the question already. I, I understand that part, but here's what I will say. Is and, and the schedule they're going to go up against is one of the weakest, if not the weakest in the league over the past, what, three, four weeks. Well, you got to take the handicap of their division out of it. And Why? If you take their division out, then they played some tough games. Their division they is just, dragging they, down their strength. They schedule. just lost to the Dolphins. They just lost to the Dolphins. That's not their division. Oh, they just lost to the Dolphins. I get it. I get it. Trust me, I get that. But I, I back to the original pick, at least, I would say. I commend Carson Wentz on trying to do his best this season. But the Dallas Cowboys are going to win this game. Not as bad as they won earlier in the season when they put up 30. But I think Dak is realizing that it's time to put up or shut up. And well, you know he's hurt. They're saying he's hurt for the first time in his career. They're saying that he he missed practice for the first time. He's got a shoulder shoulder issue. I I'm gonna bring it back to Jameis Winston. I watched that man throw four touchdowns with a broken thumb on his throwing hand. I understand the shoulder thing, and I understand Dak. But you got that boy Zeke in the backfield and Tony Pollard hand that ball off. Eagles right now are trying. Uh, I mean, come on! How many how many third string linebackers can they put on one field at a time? We know their pass defense is a joke, um, but they're an enigma of a team. They they pick and choose. It's when the secondary wants to play good, the run defense all of a sudden takes a crap. When Carson Wentz is having the best game that he can possibly muster together, the receivers are dropping the ball all over the damn place. So I think. This game, Dallas has to show who it can be because there's a lot of contracts that are just sitting there waiting for them to finally prove and step up. I mean, I don't know because it's, it's just hard. I just don't know who to trust. At the end of the day, the Eagles I can't are. trust both of them. Right. I can't trust either. The Eagles are a bad <laughs> team, and I, and I know one thing. Dallas can beat some bad teams. Oh, yeah. If they can do that, beat a oh, bad yeah. team. Flawless. Flawlessly. Now they're in Philadelphia, so that's the, that's what kind of gives me some pause. Again, they were in Dallas and just absolutely destroyed them. I mean, they just beat the Rams, so they're coming off a good week. Um, I, if I'm bet, I, I would not bet on this game ever to save my life. I would not bet. This is not the lock of the week. I would not bet on this game, even if they gave you seven points. Who, gave who seven points? If they give me seven. Points. Well, they give me seven points, and yeah, because I don't think. Either team would win by seven points. So you're thinking it's coming down to so a close I think, field goal? I think it'll be around 7.6 points or so. So, I mean, if I'm getting seven points, I'm taking either team that's going to give me seven points probably. Okay. But they're not giving me seven points. So right now, <laughs> Dallas is, I think, two and a half points. Let me I can double check that. But I believe Dallas, Dallas is two and a half, maybe three-point favorites. So with that being said, there's no way... Not a bet. Oh, one and a half. Dallas is one and a half. If anything, I would bet on the Eagles because one and a half is... Or sorry, bet on Dallas because one and a half is kind of small. But I'm not, I wouldn't bet on this game. This is a stay away game. You don't know which team is going to come. Whatever. If I have to pick, obviously you're on the podcast. I got to make a pick. I'm going to go with Dallas just because they're literally just a the better team on paper. When it comes down to it, if both teams are playing their best, 
It's really like as we saw the last game they played together. It's really not that close. Dallas is healthier uh, theoretically, like, especially on offense. They have you know their receivers. Their line seems to be pretty healthy. They have Zeke, like you said. I'm assuming Dak's gonna play, even though he's a little banged up. But they're they're healthier. They're more talented. Uh, and if they lose. Then you know it'll this be the last game. Jason Garrett, yeah, this yeah, losing Leeds Town, yeah. Uh, what I'm secretly rooting for actually is for the Eagles to win, and then lose Week 17 against the Giants, and then the Cowboys win Week 17 against the Redskins, and then they're both eight and eight, and then the Cowboys still win the division. <laughs> that's what I'm rooting for. That would be the best case scenario. This is that's 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 really what I'm rooting for. And because then no one's happy. For the Giants. Yeah, because then no one's happy. <laughs> Uh, which you know, which would be great if that were to happen. But long story short, if you see whoever wins, so we're assuming Dallas is going to win. Do you see either of these teams at home winning winning a home playoff game? Because they're going to be at home, regardless of the record. So right now, if they were to get into uh, either one of them, that wild card round. Right now, they play the Niners, who we're going to talk about in a second. Yeah, it looks like the Niners or Vikings. Well, the Vikings are locked in for that sixth one, that sixth wild card, the, the second wild card. Excuse me, sixth seed, second wild card. Okay. So it'd be four five. They're the four seed. They'd play the five. So they'd either play Seattle or 49ers, the loser of that division at this point, because the Packers are locked up in their division, um, and the Saints are locked up in their division. Well, Seattle needs a miracle to happen. I mean, not Seattle. Uh, the Rams. I was gonna say the Rams. Yeah, the Rams need a miracle to catch the Vikings. And so that's not happening. Yeah, that's not going to happen. So um, the Vikings are locked, kind of locked in at their spot, um, unless they somehow catch the Packers, which I don't really see happening. They play Monday night, but Dalvin Cook's out. I don't. No, I'm not not banking on that. Not banking on Kirk Cousins having a having not, a big game. Not in prime time. Not in prime time. Prime time, <laughs> Kirk. Not not not, not banking on that one. So you know we could revisit. You know maybe put us wrong, but for now, I'm going under the assumption that they're going to be a six seed. So right now, really, it would be Dallas. Or the Eagles, probably versus Dallas the, versus, versus the San, Fran. San Fran, or Seattle. Because if San Fran, San Fran has to play Seattle again. So if San Fran beats them, you know, then it's Seattle. So either one of them. But the question is, do you see either either of these teams actually being a threat at home come playoff time? Philly is always a threat at home. For some reason, they know how to get up out the bed in Philly and come to play. They don't. They they're not going to let their fans boot them out when it comes to a playoff scenario. Well, look, Dallas th- is the wild card. But but you say that, and they're playing basically a, a playoff game at home against Dallas. So this week is going to determine that, because ultimately they're going to need to win this week to make the playoffs. Right. Uh, I wouldn't bank on them winning and then hoping Dallas loses next week as well. I feel like the the matchup is already set even after this game is going to be played. It's going to be Dallas, and it's going to be San Fran. And either way, I got San Fran going to Dallas and winning, and I got San Fran going to Philly and winning. What about Seattle? That's a hard one. That's a hard one because Russ has looked great, but Seattle's recent play calling has put Russ into these situations where they're trying to force feed the MVP to him. And it allows other teams to come back on them a lot. They've been playing from behind. I mean, is that the case, games. or is it just have a bad defense? Because to me, it just seems like they kind of just have a bad defense. 
Seattle has a hurt defense. Well, that's the thing. It's still bad. Bad you got, hurt, you same got, thing. You got Clowney and Ansa, who's been injured, playing injury tag all year long right now. And But when they are both playing, which I think they've only done that like twice this, this year, they've been pretty good. They've been pretty decent. So the only team I can see Dallas or Philly winning against Actually, probably would be Seattle. I would t- I would pick them to beat Seattle over San Fran right now. Yeah, San Fran is sneaky good. And we can act- so we can get right into that. San Fran they're playing the Rams this week. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you know they have to win to kind of keep pace in terms of that getting that seed seed right now. And right now they're eleven and three. Uh, same with the same with the Seahawks, but the Seahawks beat them. So to me, the 49ers for a while were the best team in the NFC. Right now they're the second best behind the Saints. To me. But it's just crazy that they'll probably end up being a wild card. Um, but do you see them ended up ending up uh, being a wild card, or like what do you? How do you? How do you see this playing out? At this point, they're going to need to just win out. That's how I see it playing out. They they just have to win out, keep that momentum up. I wouldn't want to do the wild card, in my opinion, if I'm either team, because I want home field advantage. And to be fair, home field advantage is not all that it's cracked up to be in certain places, but for these teams in this division, that matters, man. I think I like the Niners traveling more, um, but if Seattle's at home, they can beat anybody in the league. So so does the winner of that... Division kind of determine who you feel is the best team in the NFC because right now I think the Saints are the best team in the NFC period regardless of seeding regardless of who's playing where well I agree um, right now the Saints are playing phenomenal I mean Marcus Lattimore is shutting down teams number one wide receivers Michael Thomas catches anything within any type of radius to him um, Jared Cook has been decent he's been injured but then he comes back and then he's Drew Brees' favorite target for touchdowns and then Taysom multi gadget hill is just that's wild everywhere, man. See, it says a lot that you went through all these people and didn't even mention Alvin Kamara. That's the type of down year he's been having. He's kind of their X factor because again, he's been down. He kind of seems like it kind of seems like they're kind of saving him. He's a small guy; they're kind of saving him, they're forcing him, man. So I watched the Saints a lot, being a previous Tampa fan, and as I watched the Saints, I kind of compared them to the years that they had with Mark Ingram and Kamara, and the reason why they were so successful is. They kept Kamara fresh. Kamara came in on third downs and passing downs a lot, and he would do his damage there because guess what? He's the freshest legs on the field. And they tried that this year with a lot of Latavius Murray. And guess what? When Latavius Murray, when Drew Brees was down and it was Teddy Bridgewater and Latavius Murray running the show, they were functioning. They were working well together. Now, right now, you're forcing Kamara into this feature back role. You're forcing him into this first, uh, first, second, and third down in some situations with Latavius being the power back. However, the Saints are way more efficient when you get Latavius in those early downs and Kamara fresh for third. Yeah. No, that's, that's you and know. I said all that to say the Saints are still the best team in NFC. They have the best coach in the NFC, and they have the best quarterback-ish going into the playoffs, depending on how much you like Russell Wilson. True. And they have the best receiver. And their defense is very good. They, they don't really have any big holes. The only hole I would give them is they don't have a number two receiver. Uh, you know, they got Ted Ginn over there. Uh, you know, some rookies. Trey Smith. Trey Con- you know, some guys who I'm not trusting. 
But shoot, if Mike Thomas just keeps getting open, then that doesn't matter. But you would have to imagine that at some point, similar to how, you know, James Harden dominates the regular season, then the playoffs come and the, the shift of focus heightens so much that it kind of affects his game. You would have to imagine that Mike, Mike, they rely on Mike Thomas so much that the double teams he's going to receive, you have to think that a team is going to have to, is going to make them beat them another way. So uh, that's the only thing that worries well, the me about is the they Saints. Can, they can beat you another way. Well, if I, they want to force Latavius Murray down the middle, look, they if, can beat you that way. Look, if you're telling me that you're going to give the ball to Latavius Murray and I'm the 49ers, I'm the Seahawks, or I'm the Packers, great, great. great good luck, great. Well, to so uh-huh. if Seahawks, Packers, and um, Niners all have the same weakness right now, and that's their linebackers do not cover tight ends. The Saints are... I don't know. You like Jerry Cook a lot more than me. Well, not even just Jerry Cook. What are a lot of these teams going to do with Taysom Hill? They're about to just start putting Taysom Hill in the field as a wide receiver number two. <laughs> Motion him around, and then guess what? He's wide open. He does He does get open in an unusual amount. I didn't also didn't realize he's like 30. Yes. He's like... He's only BYU's been for a couple great, of, Yeah, man. he's like 30. Like, I don't even know how that... Like... I don't know. I just looked it up one day and was like, oh, like, Taysom Hill, like, look this young, like, up-and-coming guy. It's like, oh, wait, what? Like, Him and Brandon Whedon, man. The yeah. oldest, oldest guys drafted. Yeah, so we'll see about that. I'm interested to see how the seeding ends up because I feel like that will make a big difference, especially for the Niners having, like, Jimmy G at quarterback, for example. I feel like they definitely need home field. Um, I don't know what's happened to their pass rush over the past couple of weeks. I guess, you know, a lot of injuries between D Ford, Bosa, um, well, teams are starting to tee off on stopping Bosa. And the, the beauty of the Niners is they have so many first-rounders on that defensive line, but a lot of them have certain roles. And a lot of their roles is absorb double teams and let Bosa get the one-on-ones. And now teams are not doing that. They're chipping Bosa more. They're forcing the double teams to Bosa and telling Eric Armstead, who, again, another Pro Bowl snub, they're telling Eric Armstead and they're telling Solomon Thomas and they're you know, telling D four with his one knee, come get us. You know, we're not we're we're doing exact ever since that Ravens game, and the Ravens just ran power eye all game. Right. Ever since that, teams have been knowing. Okay, let's get these boys in the middle a little week first. Double team Bosa. Don't let them. You know, cause that much havoc in the game. And then we can we can run we can run with this. Stop targeting Sherman. Their secondary is pretty good, the 49ers. But the one thing that I would say the 49ers have to live and die by is going to be their own running game, right? Because if I'm the Saints, I've just proven that I can put up 30 on any team in the league. Can Jimmy G do that? Well, who they, who they play this old, the Saints, say hey, He put up against the Colts. Well, no, no, the Jimmy G, the 49ers against uh, the Saints. I mean, that was a phenomenal game. But can you consistently do that? Jimmy G has been... I'm I'm looking like that that dude on one week and then the next week is why do we pay that guy again? Right. So, I mean, no, that's true. And they got everything. They got a run game. They got you know Sanders is a solid, a decent number one receiver. But they got Kittle, who's basically a real number one. Who shit damn near is. I mean, and again, two great coaches, man. Shanahan and Peyton. Yeah. It's, it's it doesn't get no better than that when you're talking about offensive minds coaching against each other. Shanahan with his staple of running backs that basically are all the same and they're all injury prone. So it's pick which one we're going to ride with this week. And Sean Payton with his just creativity. 
Yeah, I'm sick of the 49ers from a fantasy perspective because they have like three <laughs> running backs. Uh, I had Coleman and Breda on one team together thinking that I could just like, that I was perfect. Oh. I was set. Oh. Then here comes Mostert coming out. <laughs> I got yeah, Mostert coming out of nowhere better than both of them. Now Coleman's mm-hmm. useless. Breda fumbled two times, so he's done. Uh, Again, they're, the Niners are created. But that's coaching, though. They took, he's it, like, they took it on the chin with Jared McKinnon signing that big contract, and they said, basically, we don't want this to happen to us again, so how can we stop this? I know. Let's sign three freaking running backs that are basically carbon copies of each other. And they all are injury-prone. They all have fumbling issues. But one of them is not going to do it every week. Right. <laughs> so Shannon, Just ride the right hand. These musical chairs. Just ride the right hand. But Breida is his favorite. You can tell Breida is his favorite, and Breida's been banged up. Right really? Because Mostert has been putting in the putting in the work the past like three weeks. It's yeah. like he's kind of taken over, uh, especially because Breida was injured. Well, last game Mostert kind of came back down to earth, right? Regular forty-five yards, got one touchdown, but he also fumbled. And then Tevin Coleman started taking snaps back again. So it's a it's a revolving door, but it's a good revolving door. Well, yeah, for, for real life, not yeah. for fantasy. For sure. <laughs> for fantasy, it caused me too much heartaches and pain, and I'm, I'm still living through some of that a little bit, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, you were the one, yeah, weren't you saying that your fantasy was uh, ruined, basically? Well, so, it, there's I'm in two leagues. Uh, typically, I try to hedge my own bet, right? So, I always do two leagues, and I draft drastically different teams because one of them's got to make it. This year, I had them both pretty much in the playoffs, so that we were neck and neck, but... I did have a situation where I have literally Tevin Coleman, Adrian Peterson, and Mostert on my bench for my RB2 spot, and I'm figuring out who do I play, right? Who Who is going to actually give me points this week? And I played them wrong every single week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I was, yeah, that's, I mean, I'm in a league right now, not to, you know, people, you know, don't care about your fantasy team, whatever, whatever, I'll get through it real quick. I'm in a league right now, I'm in a championship, and my running back, I don't even. I can't even say I have a running back one. My best running back right now is Adrian Peterson, mm-hmm. and my number two running back right now is uh, Laird, the white guy from the Dolphins. Got it. And uh, and I also have Breda. So you're looking at whoever is the Vikings backups right now. Basically, <laughs> I also have Matt Boone. Yes, I just I'm just scouring. I just scour. I just literally have a bunch of waiver wire Carry running backs. Johnson, are you playing? Yeah, are you playing? yeah. Just that's basically yeah how that goes. But I'm in the finals. So I don't know what that says more about me as a manager or the other teams who are letting me get in because I damn sure shouldn't be in the finals. I can tell you that right now. Oh, for sure. On a future podcast, I have to share my sob story on uh, on my fantasy team currently because there is no way in Sam Hill I should even be near the playoffs. Um, but that's going to go back to, you know, just being a good GMs, you know, getting that waiver wire. That's, hey, it'd, hey, it'd be like that. Especially when that money's involved. Yeah, you'd be, you'd be locked in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> locked in, looking at the analytics hey, on man, the waiver wire. I've never looked at my friends more with the uh, with the Wesley Snipes crying face <laughs> in New Jack City. Like, man, I got to do my own friends. Man. <laughs> It'd be like that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of good GMs, the NFC is a a, a a cesspool of talent right now. The AFC kind of feels like it's starting to weed itself down to two main teams. But there's a lot of possibles. Uh, right now, we are looking at the AFC. You can't count out the Chiefs. They're putting up points on everyone. I would never in a million years count out the Patriots. But to me, the Ravens are the top dog. There's no one. No one should be ahead of the Ravens right now. They've had the hardest schedule I've seen in football. 
Uh, I want to say they have seven games this season alone, eight technically, against playoff teams that are currently in the playoff, either race, hunt, or already clinch. They've won six out of those seven games. Right. Their only loss coming to the Chiefs. That's insane. Yeah, no, I mean, they definitely caught everybody by surprise in terms of just like their new offense. People have mm-hmm. to adjust. Um, I mean, Lamar, I mean, look, when you're be- when the best athlete on the field is your quarterback, like. And we're going to find out come playoffs. Now, of course, like I said, I've switched over, so I'm team biased in this, but it reminds me a lot of the RG3 effect that happened in Washington, where that entire season, teams can't adjust on the week to week basis. But once the playoffs happen, and I can actually study film and figure you out. Now I can actually put a game plan together to neutralize you. Now, granted, we do know But what I will say is that next year that he came back healthy, teams had him figured out. They had the game plan to neutralize him because they had a whole offseason to say, we don't want to get hit with that again. I mean, that's fine and uh, dandy, but one, RG3 ain't no Lamar. It's, it's a lot easier to tackle RG3 than it is Lamar because RG3 is... He's a straight line. He's a track player. He's a track star. He's a straight straight line runner. Yeah, he's a straight line runner. Lamar is actually, you know, it's hard to hard to touch him, let alone tackle him. Big trust. But I mean, I feel you on that point. But teams don't have a whole offseason right now. Shit, the playoffs start in like three weeks. Oh, teams are already game planning right now. I can guarantee you, every team in the playoffs are studying the shit out of two teams, and that's the Patriots and the Ravens. And that's because they know that whatever matchup they get faced with. They're going to see one of those two teams next, and that's going to be the deciding factor between that team and the Super Bowl. Well, Sid, the Patriots, are you even sure that they're not going to be a wild card team? You're talking about you feel like they... You can't count them out. You can't count them. They're the most prepared team in football. They are having a terrible year on I'm going to say, I'm at the point now where I'm probably counting them out. They're having a terrible year on offense, but that defense is serious. And what wins championships is defense and running the ball. And they're going to start taking that ball out of Tom Brady's hands, and he's going to hand that rock off 40 times. To who? Sonny he's Michelle? Got, he's, got a, he's got a Come on. staple of people that nah, he can go to. Even those, Burkhead, even, those running back, even those running backs aren't good, man. Like, I I beg to differ on Sony. I do Sony's like Sony is awful. Michelle. Sony is awful. I'm like sick of it. I'm tired of pretending that Sony <laughs> Michelle is good. I'm, I'm tired. I'm dry, like, I'm like. I just, don't, I just don't even understand it. So he's the worst out of their Georgia three, right? So you have Gurley, Chubb, and so on. Oh, it's not even a question. It's not even so a question. So all the ways at the end. But in this situation, in this scenario, when it comes to teams, if you're going to say coming to Foxborough. Um, Bro, James White is, they're better, is a better running back than him. Running or, pa- or passing, it doesn't matter. Well, Sony James, White, awful. James White comes out. I would leave in Sony and Burkhead because Bro. they can give you yards and bursts. It's boring as fuck to watch. But... Sony will give you three to four yards per carry, and they just have to. Bro, he's Sony, honestly Sony a, is is bad. He's honestly more of an elusive back, but they run him like he's a power back. They run him. Bro, he runs like himself like he's a power back. He just runs in a straight line. That's like the knees, man. That's it must knees. be because I'm like, bro, this is not the same dude that I saw in Georgia. Like he doesn't break. He doesn't break tackles. He really reminds me of JJ a lot. That's not a good that, thing. I get it. But in the playoffs, they can they can make something happen, man. They can make something happen. It's Tom Brady. Teams are going to still respect his quick passing game. If Edelman gets who's, who's going to get open? I think if Edelman gets healthy, 
The only problem they had even last week, Sanu was getting open a lot, but he was. I mean, okay, let's, all right, all right, let's relax because last week they played the Bengals, so let's let's. <laughs> That don't count. We're talking about them in the playoffs. You talking about how they, they did against the Bengals? Yeah, come on now. We talk. You you talking about the Bengals? Well, the last time they played a, a good team was the week before they played the Chiefs. Well, then we're going to talk about your lock of the week then. Right? Well, okay. Now they're about to they're about to play a real team again, and they handled them the first time. So now you have to play the Bills again. Sean McDermott. They're at home. Josh Allen getting the stride. You got a rookie double Singletary. I mean, this Bills defense is flying all over the place. Ed Oliver, he's been so freaking consistent. I mean, if if I know all the love for defense player of the year is probably going to go to Bosa or maybe Josh Allen down in the Jaguars. But Ed Oliver, for what he's doing, and I know it's not flashy because of the stats. You don't see that part. But he is causing so much havoc on that defensive line right now. No, he, no. That whole defense is, is very legit. They're like – Kind of a light version of the Patriots in terms of uh, their defense kind of wins games. They, you know, the quarterback isn't a great, you know, mm-hmm. rely on the run game, et cetera, et cetera. But lock of the week, since you brought up lock of the week, trying to make y'all some money, get, win y'all some money. Anybody, you know, in terms of sports betting and stuff, lock of the week, easy lock of the week. The over-under of this game right now is 37. These teams are not combining to score 37 points. <laughs> it is, that's not happening. The Bills played the Steelers last week. It was 17 to 10. It is going to well, be very similar this week. The last, I mean, the Bills and the Patriots, Patriots are played. are very good defense. Okay, we're talking about two very good defenses here. That's that's, that's to my point. We're talking mm-hmm. about two very good defenses here. If anything, the Patriots have a better defense than the Steelers. No, I agree. So last time they played Bills Patriots, it was sixteen to ten. Very boring. Very boring. <laughs> it's it's going to be a struggle to see with these teams trying to move the ball. It's going to be a struggle. Okay, so, so log of the week over under. Bet the under. They gave him thirty-seven points. Thirty-seven points is the is the over under. And that's uh, really not that high. Uh, this is going to be a eighteen to twelve type. That's, of that's game what I'm saying. I'm not sure if these teams even getting the thirty or thirty-five on on thirty-seven right. right now. I'm looking at a seventeen to fourteen kind of game. Take the kickers on both teams. Just do that. Which <laughs> which also you know now if you're getting a little frisky and you really want to win some money, like this is not my lock. My lock is the under. But if you want to put that lock and then parlay it with the Bills, the Bills right now are getting six and a half points. I'll be shocked if the Patriots win by touchdown. Just because there's not going to be so many points played, or points scored, excuse me, that it's going to be naturally be a close game. The Bills keep the games close. They run the ball a lot. Uh, you know, they shorten the game that way. I don't expect there to be a lot of points, so I don't expect it to be a wide margin either way. So I'm taking those points. So that's like that's like my almost lock in terms of parlaying the Bills points six and a half with the under. But if you're looking for something safe, looking something for sure for certain, mm-hmm. hey, you bang, bang that under. That's the lock of the week. So I got I got one more lock that is not going to be a weekly lock, but this is just my my gut feel right now. Oh, so you're not doing the... So you're just saying this is one time for the one time. Don't expect a lock every week from you is what you're saying. I don't think I can get one every week. Oh, there's I'm, always one every week. You just got to look. My lock of the week... So if we're going to talk one game, my lock of the week is the Houston Texans against Tampa Bay. They're getting three points right now on the road. However, I feel you, though, because no Mike Evans, no Godwin. Well, James don't care. I mean that's true. Apparently, did score three touchdowns. Like, don't you're right. Care. 
However, James is going to be relying on Brashad Perryman for the third straight week. Hey, that was three touchdowns last week. I understand that. He's also down Scotty Miller. So you are, you are down three of your top four wideouts with two practice squad guys added and O.J. Howard having a terrible year. Offensive line injuries and no running game. I don't see how Houston is going to have uh, any trouble right now. Tampa Bay doesn't have a corner on that roster that's going to keep up with any wide receiver Houston puts on that field. Yeah, with Will Fuller back. Will Fuller still. They're, 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 different. they're different when Will Fuller's playing. Now, he only plays about six games out of the year. If that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's not saying too much, but he played last week. He seems like he's, you know, he's questionable right now, but it seems like he's going to play this week. They should just start him on IR every year. He just comes in after week eight. First, first load managed <laughs> football player. Put him on load, load management. Oh man, uh, I'm about to look look this up real quick. See Will Fuller's uh, playing status. That does make a big difference. Let's see. Practice Thursday limited. All right, so he'll he'll play again. He's a ticking t- a hamstring is a ticking time bomb. So. Here's here's my knock on wood. Shout out to Will Fuller. I'm not be, trying to root This may for be no my, my lock of the rest of the season. Oh, so we went from and no lock is, per week to a lock of the season. So I got a lock of the, lock game, right? I'm gonna take the Texans over Tampa. My lock of the season is gonna be that the Steelers make the playoffs. That's fair. Who they play this week? The Jets. The Steelers have the Jets. Okay. And then they play the Ravens in Week 17, who should be starting RG3 by then. Right, you would think. But do you think do you think that the Ravens would be the type to start RG3, given that they have a bye week that next week? You're gonna sit Lamar out two weeks in a row. I think you give Lamar one series, but the the nature of how the Ravens play, which is very physical, and honestly, Lamar is he's taking contact well. So if they're they're not going to trot him out there and just try to make him drop back and throw passes, because actually that's when he's actually been getting hit for the most part. Everything else, he's been able to control his falls. He's been able to control how he gets hit, where he gets hit. And to me, if I'm if I'm Baltimore, Lamar's playing a series, maybe a quarter, and then RG3's trotting out there for the last three quarters. I wouldn't even risk it. Yeah, assuming they win this week, they have the number one seed clinched up. Clinched. Done. And right now the Steelers have the Jets this week and, and Baltimore week 17. Their only competition is going to be the Titans. The Titans play the Saints and then the Texans. Yeah. Two very tough games, and they can't. Honestly, they're both, eight. I believe, 8-6 and six right now. So any mistake by the Titans, the Steelers pretty much walk in. Yeah. So that's my most interesting thing that I'm watching for the rest of the week. That is my lock that I think is going to also happen, is that the Steelers make it. And when the Steelers make it, make it prepare for the bad takes of Coach Tomlin as Coach of the Year. Bad takes? Who <laughs> should, who should bad win it? Take. Who should win it? You that's really you really trying to be a Ravens take. fan. You really no, trying to fit no, in now. No, that's a How's bad that a bad take? take? You see that's his quarterbacks? I understand that. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be in that conversation. So then who should win it then? Win So who should win it then? There's at least two to three coaches. Name them. Name them. So, say it with your chest. Sean Payton is arguably has the best team in the NFC. He's done that without his quarterback for six weeks. 
Now, depending on how much you like Teddy Bridgewater. I'm about to say, Teddy Bridgewater better than... The any- fact of the matter oh, is, man. last time we saw Teddy Bridgewater, his entire knee got destroyed non-contact. He's played very sparingly since then, but that's not someone I'm depending on for the first quarter of my season and stayed undefeated. I mean, yeah. I mean... But that's a, but that's a complete team, though. I get that. But you still right, have, you still right, have so Sean Payton. You still have them doing things without their quarterback. So that's that's the that's the argument that Tomlin is going to make, is that I'm doing all this without Ben Roethlisberger, right? Other coaches are doing similar things with other quarterbacks as well. None of them as bad as Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. Get that. Total point. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say, you already know what but I was going to say. But you also have to say that, well, they did play the Bengals twice, and they played the Browns twice, Oh, that's just bad. Now, you can say the same thing for the Saints, but I would much – I think I would have a harder time facing Julio Jones and the Panthers and even Tampa right now than facing the Browns and the Bengals. And, yeah, you still got two games against the Ravens, and the first one you lost if you're the Steelers. So, if we're going to move on to another coach, Sean McDermott. I mean, this is Buffalo's first playoff berth in decades. This is going to be a, a team that has a chance to beat the Patriots for the division. Yeah. I mean. Now, if they beat the Patriots for the division, I feel like he's a lot. Josh Allen has, I don't even think he's thrown over 200 yards this season. No, he has. I, I, got, him, I got him on a fantasy team, so I know I, he has. But it has, not, definitely not over 300. Definitely not over 300. He, he's hit a couple bottom. 250s. Because they've had an easy schedule. You know, they played a jet. But, Frank but, Gore but, is the, almost the starting running back. Stop. Singletary is there, too. Singletary is there, too. He was too. injured. Yeah, but that's he fine. He came back. Right? You know, they get nicked up. But, but the fact that Frank Gore is playing actual minutes. He's playing actual minutes. Shit, he's better than Sonny Michelle. <laughs> shit. I'd rather have Frank Gore than Sonny Michelle right now on everything. <laughs> on everything. On everything. Oh man, that's that's man, Sony's gonna fight back, man. man I got faith in Sony. You can have all the faith you want. I'm gonna have faith. I'm, in d- Sony. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I got Sony Michelle. I'm done. <laughs> hey man, he's got an 80 yard game in him somewhere. It'll take 25 carries, but it'll get. There. I don't got time for that. I really don't. I really don't have time. <laughs> this at least is definitely a thousand cuts with him, man. <laughs> man, a thousand paper cuts, maybe. And and the obvious is going to be John Harbaugh. I mean, coming into the season, right. Only the Ravens knew how good they had of a team and how good Lamar was and how Greg Roman is changing up a lot of the play calling and stuff like that to cater to Lamar's strengths. But, I mean, I didn't. I certainly didn't have the Ravens at this level of dominance, right? They made a lot of good offseason uh, signings. And personally, for me, I thought, you know, I was in the, I think the Browns building this super team could get it together. You know, I like Freddie Kitchens, but mainly I like Todd Munkin a lot more. So it was more or less a, a lot of what they had going on. But I didn't think that the Ravens would be where they are. And that's a credit to Harbaugh. Naturally. So those are those are the three that I would even put ahead of Tomlin. Now, granted, Tomlin's doing a great job. Come on, man. This is this is an anti-black team. That's all I'm going to I'm going to leave it at that. This is anti-black. I'm going to leave it at that. You, supposed to, you man, you out oh, here man. messing up the money for the brothers, oh, man. You man. messing it up. <laughs> on that note, we moving to the NBA. I'm, I'm, I've had enough. Uh, we sitting here taping this as the Lakers and Bucks just finished playing. Uh, this wasn't necessarily scheduled. I know we we're going to talk about some other stuff. We're going to get into J.R. Smith. 
just because that whole situation is hilarious in terms it's of messy. Man. Yeah, got got you know the whole mess. But I bring up the Bucks to say, bro, Giannis is different. Very, and not just in general compared to last year. The Bucks, the Bucks are the best team in the East. The East Bucks are the Bucks finals. are going to the finals. Before the year started, before I saw anything anyone play. I didn't say it with my chest, but I felt like Philly was going to have it because they were so close last year. But I didn't realize how much they were going to miss Jimmy Butler and how, I mean, replacing Horford 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 with Jimmy Butler. They got worse. They got worse. When it comes down to it, they got worse. They don't have that guy who's just going to go get you a bucket. Embiid is... I mean, as a, if you're if your guy is like that, because the Nuggets have the same problem. If that's your if your number one guy, your bucket getter is your big man, and this day and age, you're gonna have a problem unless, unless it's Anthony Davis or something. Those guys are you can contain those guys too easily. You can make them become passers too easy. Well, to me, it's it's I, I did not believe in the 76ers at the beginning of the season because. I really, 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 really and Brett Brown's a bad coach. Don't like Brett Brown. And I and, I, and look as a Spurs I fan, it pains me to say it, but he's he's man. not it. I can't I, not with this team. How many times are we going to watch Joel Embiid almost bring the ball up the court? And if he doesn't bring the ball up the court, he's catching the ball outside of the paint. But you have to the, do that when, when you're playing with Ben Simmons. Line. Look, when you're playing with Ben Simmons and Al Horford, he has to. But man, how many times is he going to get the ball at the three point line? Pump fake it as slow as possible, and then try to dribble around somebody as the big man. You're Joel and well, that, that's and that's my old Joel, <laughs> and that's my point in terms of he's their number one bucket getter. Now Tobias has played better this year. Tobias Harris has played better this year, but when it comes down to it, last few minutes, it's time to go get a bucket. It's gonna be Embiid, and you lost Reddick. So you're losing. You lost that three point shot. Yeah, I'm disappointed in Josh Richardson. I thought he was going to be better. Well, you lost all. You lost a lot of athleticism and just JJ Redick literally taking the shooting guard around the world. So Joel Embiid could right. form some type of offense. So even if JJ Redick didn't get the ball to shoot it, that's what you're missing out on. And then Jimmy Buckets just bringing that alpha dog, a real true alpha dog mentality to the 76ers. Right. Not to mention offense and defensive end. I mean, yeah, and I'm just out on Ben Simmons. There's just a lot that I'm just out on. <laughs> like, I really, in this day and age, look, and credit to Ben Simmons because for him to be such a non factor but still be so good is a real testament to how good he is at everything else He's in terms of passing, athlete. rebounding, <laughs> defense, everything. He's good at everything except the most important thing in 2019, which, which is, is shooting. shooting, not just shooting, just scoring. Teams are putting up so many points, like, you just have, you can't. Be at a position where you're playing. The teams are guarding you four and five, damn near, because they know that you're just a non-threat when it comes to shooting. Like when it, if you're not in the paint, mm-hmm. you're just a non-threat. Like it just, it just how the team is set up is just not going to work. I'm giving up right now. I'm not even going to put give hope in terms of. Well, the problem seeing, is they're stuck that way. They're yeah, yeah, no, they're stuck. Way. Oh no, they're very stuck. For the next four to five years, so they're gonna have to figure it out. They're gonna, they're gonna wish that they had or given Jimmy that match. Flipping Horford for lottery picks or something Man, like that. I don't uh, know. They're, yeah. Well, the, if they're gonna trade anyone, it's gonna be Tobias, just because he's the youngest. You can't trade Tobias, man. They have to. You can't. No like, one's gonna trade for Horford. I just feel so bad for Tobias. Speaking as a Magic fan, watching him actually come to fruition with the Magic. Get traded from the Bucks to the Magic, then get traded from the Magic to the Clippers, then get traded from the Clippers. How? When are we ever going to let this man just sign a contract and stay? 
Hey, look. <laughs> he's good enough to stay. Look, that contract goes with him. Look, he's making $35 million a year. I'm sure he does not care what team he's on at this point because that contract's Man. following him around. I'm sure. He, look, I'm not. Tobias, you know, J. Cole Jr., he's fine. I'm not worried about Tobias. He'll I be just all feel right. bad for the guy. That's I don't feel that bad. I feel for bad for the guy. He signed, every contract he signs, he's traded within a year. <laughs> look, and that's fine because he's like in that in between, like he's good, but he's like not too good to be traded, but he's good. Like a te- another team will want him. Oh yeah, he's so, right at that. So, he's, and with that being said, the bar, right? Like, and with that being said, he would if the Sixers had to trade someone, he would be the first guy to get traded. See, the thing I like about the NBA, though, uh, as opposed to the NFL, is in the NFL when players are in that Tobias Harris level or mode, and they get traded. Typically, they get traded to a shit team. In the NBA, you typically get upgraded. You get traded to a playoff team or somebody right. that needs you. That missing that, that missing piece. Or yeah, whatever. you're that missing piece. You're not going to Phoenix like showing up like, "Hey guys, I'm here to save the franchise." Like right. that's not that doesn't happen. So I I really like Tobias Harris. And honestly, before uh, before we get to the next part, which is I'm I'm done with the Sixers because I'm completely off of that bandwagon. I think the Celtics are going to be the Milwaukee's main competition come playoff time. And I think Giannis is going to prove why he won the MVP last year and is making a strong case for MVP this year, although he's not my MVP this year so far. Um, Who is? Right now, it's got to be Harden, man. It's on, man. ugly. Come on, man. It's ugly, but Come it's got to be hard. What do you mean man? it's got to be hard? No, what the it's hell? It does not. Harden, man. Like, no, it doesn't. What is he? What What he's doing? With, this Houston team is a lottery team without him. Okay, the we Bucks are a lottery team that. without Giannis. What, what does that mean? What does that mean? They've been winning some. They've they won one game, game without Giannis. They won one game they won without Giannis. They needed to win one game without Giannis. Okay. The Bucks team is super deep. First that, off, first if, off, if first you off. put Harden on this Bucks team, they have quite similar levels of success. No, no, they would be way worse on defense. First off, you're really discounting Giannis' impact on defense. First off, second off, that's true. The only reason that the Houston is so dependent in terms of oh they would be this and that without Harden. It's because that's just how he plays. That's how they set it up. That's they did how it on the purpose. Now, a lot of people are imitating what the Rockets do. Who? A lot of teams are shooting more three pointers. Okay, first off, the Warriors were the Warriors were shooting threes before the Rockets. Of course. So the everyone's but imitating Dan the Warriors. Dan Antonio, second seven seconds or less, has followed and preceded him, and the Warriors took that blueprint and said, you know, we got better yeah. shooters. They don't got nothing to do with the Rockets. I, it does. No, stop, bit, stop, 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 stop. First bit. off, just stop. The Rockets, look, Harden is great. He's putting up the raw numbers. He's averaging like 39, which is just like. At the end of the day, that's what they're no, Nobody is going to look and see that out of, uh, 25 out of 39 was free throws. No one's going to look at that. Yes, they are. Not those MVP votes. I can because, guarantee you that Harden is not who, winning MVP. Guess who's second in free throws? Giannis. Okay, but he he deserves them. He earns their free. He earns his free throws. Harden goes to the basket every time he gets stop. free throws. No, except when he's, he's in foul and three. No, stop, stop, stop. Oh, look, we can put anything you. I'll bet anything you want to bet. Harden doesn't win an MVP this year. I can't anything. make that bet. I said just for me, just personally. Oh for me. well, I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. Harden's putting up the raw stats. See, that's a problem. Right? That's impact. a problem. Giannis has impact. That's a problem right there. There we go. Artists you just harp on the, the problem right there. Everyone is just looking at the raw stats, not looking at the games, not looking at the context beyond the stats. 
for example, A, Harden's usage rate is absurd. It's you can't crazy. even you can't even judge the raw stats because we're looking at usage rates, we're looking at shot attempts, we're looking at everything that has we're looking at all the that everything that, that that is just so in terms of the amount of three pointers he's taking, like it's just going to naturally boost the stats more than in, like in comparison to other years. He's shooting more three pointers. He's shooting he's on pace to break Steph Curry's record for most attempts for three pointers in a season. And he's not nearly as good of a shooter as Steph Curry. It's just it's just volume. Yeah. So it's easy to look at the oh he's putting up thirty nine tonight he's putting up forty oh fifty five whoa whoa but it's like it's just to me at least to me and look I'm a Spurs fan so I also just don't like James Harden or the Rockets in general <laughs> but but when you look at when you go deeper than just the point totals and you just look at the usage and look at everything that comes into it. I don't know. It just doesn't. It just don't hit the same to me. It just. It just don't hit the same. It's it, it, at the end of the day when they when they tally up the numbers at the end of the season. A lot of people that didn't have game pass there or league pass. I'm sorry. They're not going to. Well, look. Everybody who voted for MVP has. Numbers, well, man. everyone who has MVP does have league pass. I hope because they're all reporters and media members. So I hope that they've actually been watching. Man, I've seen so many MVP snubs that it's. I don't know what I tell you this. gauging nope. this on. It becomes, it becomes like this giant Houston. participation trophy, and they're like, well, we kind of gave this guy this MVP, so like, we're just going to oh, skip no. him and, this Oh, it's year. definitely about the narrative as well, for and, sure. And and I get Giannis' story. Look, and, and the narrative is against Houston. Nobody likes watching them play. Oh, they're the new villain. Now that the Warriors are in Yeah, the- and they're annoying, <laughs> and they're annoying. They're out here trying to protest games. Very. They're not. So, we can talk about maybe Harden... Look, to me, Harden doesn't deserve a narrative or not. I wouldn't give it to Harden. But when you look at, once you factor in that stuff, narrative and all that stuff, there's 0% chance to me that he's actually going to win. My, unless unless Giannis We got to define the award, right? Because it's MVP, so it's most valuable player. And typically, it's the best player on the best team. So that's why Giannis is going to have a strong case, because he's going to be the best player on the best team at the end of the, at the, end of the year. Right. Unless the Lakers get super hot, which... I don't know if LeBron and AD can do this all season. So they may start doing anything, you know, kind of down a little bit. But what I do see is that the Rockets are a complete fucking mess if Harden is not out there. The Bucks won't be as good, but they can survive without Giannis. So if I'm defining MVP, it's who... Who, if you take this player out, what they can contribute? Now, granted, you're gonna to have to replace that with something else. So somebody's going to be getting points in that two guard spot if Harden's not there. But when we're uh, currently the the Rockets are playing the Clippers, and it's ugly because everyone hates the way Houston plays, and including myself. But when you take Harden off of that team, they're they're a fucking wreck. They're a wreck. Whose fault is that? That's Harden's fault. That's Harden's fault. You that's can say the, the same, coach. and you that's can say coach. the same thing about the Lakers. You want to know that, why that's the coach? That's the coach because when Harden's not on the floor, they still run the offense like he is on the floor, except they let Russ do it, and it's oh, it's awful. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Russ, Russ, yeah, he's not, he's not Chris Paul, and that's wild to say, at least for this team. He he brings it. Not to say that he's worse, but he just brings in a different dynamic. So he's not the same score facilitator. In terms of efficiency and all that, so I mean I understand that, but like, so with the it, mention of Chris Paul though, 
you do have to start thinking about who's taking these last playoff spots in the West. Yeah, and in the East, it's early. Let me, it's super early. Let's, I mean, let's let's look up some standings right now. But what we what I'm seeing is an OKC team that they're playing well, and it's not going to last all year. But they're giving some fight, man. And I didn't expect that. I thought they would be in the tubes by now. And no, I, I actually, to trade I actually, Schroeder and well, they've already come to grips that they're keeping Chris Paul this season. Oh yeah, they're, like they're not. No one's going to trade for him. Yeah, that's so that's so that's just off that fact alone. Those are your they're going to make the playoffs. <laughs> just off that, they have a good starting five. They got, I don't mind it between him, Shadeus Alexander. Now they could trade Gallinari, and that might change some things if a team really wants Gallinari. He's about to be a free agent. Another Tobias Harris. Just. Yeah. I mean, they were, shit, they were both on the Clippers together. Yeah, I mean. A, a big three guard that just keeps getting traded, man. Basically. So, right now, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Mavs, Rockets, Jazz, they're all locks. That's the first six seeds. Um, they're they're all locks to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The Thunder, like you said, they've, they've been, they're 7-3 the last 10. So, now they're 13-14. and 14. They seem to be pulling away from the rest of the crowd. In, ter- in terms of the mediocre team, because they're actually about to be 500. Then, once you get that to the last, the, to the eighth seed, it, it gets a little ugly. You get the Kings. You got a four, you got a four-way race, man. Kings, Trailblazers, Suns, four-way. Shit, it's like six-way, damn near. Five-way, damn near. Who are you taking out? If you say four-way, so, if it's Kings, me, Blazers, Suns, T-Wolves, Spurs. You gotta eliminate pretenders, right? So for me, the Grizzlies are pretenders. Well, yeah, it's not gonna happen. Sorry. Unfortunately, and much due respect to Pop, the Spurs are going to be pretenders. They're oh, come on, man! Right now, come on, don't don't say that seeing, to me. Don't say that to me. You're seeing teardown rumors. They're saying let's get DeRozan up out of here. Look, you can say the rumors all you want, but when's the last time the Spurs ever made a trade during the middle of the season? I've never seen exactly. That. So the chance I've of that happening, rumors that. are not are unlikely. And I will say that if they can somehow trade DeRozan right now, they could trade DeRozan for nothing and not get worse. <laughs> Disrespectful, it's, but, but it's true, true. that he—he's he, not a fit. I'll he's not, he's a, not fit. a fit. He's still he's not, a good player. But he's, he's not, not fit. fit. The guys who are currently on the team who will take his minutes fit better with the rest of the team. They, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go so far as to say as they will improve by single-handedly just trading DeRozan. I mean, defensively he is a negative. Offensively, if he's not shooting well, he's a eh. So I'm not, I'm not going to go as far. I want to really badly. Say that they will get better if they trade DeRozan for nothing. You really wanted that Siakam in that deal. <laughs> I mean, I would have, I would have took the OG and Anobi. I would have took OG and Anobi. Uh, I mean, I with that for. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, I would have took him. Like, I would have took a young guy. Yeah. I, I would have. He, he plays defense. He's well, three and D. In the I mean, <laughs> come on, man. We had to. We threw in Danny Green. Well, Shit. When you think about it. I mean, losing Bertans. He. Man, that, that was. Boy, I don't. That's. I don't even get that. Heating up, man. That boy heating up. He's nice, and but I see why they got rid of him, just because they wanted to get a more defensive-minded player to replace him. They already have a lot of sh- like not necessarily a lot of shooting. Well, they do have a lot of shooting. They just don't shoot a lot of threes. They have a lot of offensive-minded players. I mean, your best two players are Aldridge and DeRozan. If you have Bertans on the court with them, those are three guys on the court at the same time who are giving you average to below-average defense. Correct. Now, Bertans was nice in terms of spreading the floor, but given that they want, they were going to sign uh, Marcus Morris, yep. that was the whole premise 
And then he chickened out. Yeah, so said, then, so, eh. yeah, so once, when you realize you got stuck with Trey Lyles, yeah, yeah now it's bad. And and it's, and even though it's not the Spurs' fault, I gotta blame somebody, so you just gotta have to catch his L. Yeah. It's the second offseason in a row you got bullied. Yep. It's just, you know, so it is what it is. Like, it's not y'all's fault, but at the same time, you're still getting the blame. All right, so, so, 76ers call you and say, hey, I got Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris for DeRozan, who hangs up first? Oh, the Sixers! The Sixers wouldn't even make that call. <laughs> oh hell no! Could you imagine DeRozan and Ben Simmons on the court together? It would be a mid-range. Oh my god! <laughs> it wouldn't even be a mid-range spectacle because Ben Simmons doesn't even shoot those. But it would be the poorest. <laughs> we would never see Joel Embiid near the basket again. Oh no, no, no! The Sixers wouldn't even oh, make. The, wouldn't even make the call. The Spurs. I'm just, I'm just trying to get the Spurs a little better, man. Look, make look, the Spurs the, better. look. The best trade for the Spurs right now is DeRozan to the Magic. If they're going to make a trade, it's DeRozan to the Magic. If they could somehow get Aaron Gordon, because he has been struggling this year. He struggled last year. Um, if they could, if the Magic feel like they really like DeRozan in terms, because they, they need a wing, they need a scorer. So I've seen that in the rumors, but the Magic, as a Magic fan, they're not giving up. They're not going to give up Aaron Gordon. And, and Unless, there's times where Aaron Gordon plays and you forget he's a max player and you don't even know but how he does, he does, in the but, game. But he doesn't fit with Jonathan Isaac. He and right now, Jonathan Isaac. Isaac is way better than him. I wouldn't say way better. Oh, as an overall player in terms of defense and in terms of potential, his potential, ceiling is way higher. Potential, yes. You want to, you want Aaron to Gordon is cater a your team. watered down Blake Griffin in the worst way possible. He's a he's not. I mean, to me, he's he's without the flash. Just a what he plays terrific defense when he when he needs to, and I'll give him that. And he's actually improved his three point shot. But his shot selection is terrible. You forget he's even on the floor at times. Yeah. I mean, we know who the Spurs really want. They want Vooch. And that's just who they want. Is it? I haven't heard that. I've seen Pop talk about Vooch like he's the second coming of Jesus. He loves Vooch because Vooch and Aldridge have very similar games. But for some reason, Vooch is more efficient lately. But... I, I don't think there's an Aaron Gordon trade to be made. I think the Magic learned a lesson, giving up on Oladipo early, giving up on Tobias Harris early, hell, giving up on uh, Sabonis in the Ibaka trade. Like they, I think they, they, they're they spent trying to give up their young talent after they developed them for four or five years and they sucked. That's fair. I mean, look, Aaron Gordon for DeRozan is, is definitely a win for the Spurs, so it's very unlikely. Uh if I could if, shoot, if they could somehow, there's some guys on the Magic I like. Like if they shoot, I would take a DeRozan for Fournier in a heartbeat. I would gladly give him up, and that's just me being a Fournier hater. I do, I like Fournier. Don't get me wrong, but he he is a prototypical spur. That would just be a trade that just makes sense. I would I would do that. Now you know you have to. But the only issue is for the Magic money. is Fournier is the best shooter there because Terrence Ross is a. He's the yeah, most Dion Waiters type of game. Yeah, super ever. streaky. Yeah, so it's Fournier is our reliable twenty-five point guy. He's not going to play any defense, and he's probably going to get a couple bonehead turnovers trying to make a dumb pass. But I don't know. You 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 throw that deal in there, DeRozan, and maybe a maybe a young developing guy or a pick or something like that. I, I would entertain it. Fair. So, to me, I feel like the Spurs aren't necessarily... I mean, they probably won't make the playoffs. But, compared to these other teams that we're about to list, I can't say that they're significantly worse than the Timberwolves, the Suns, the Trailblazers, or the Kings. So, the Battle of the League Pass teams. 
these are some of my favorite teams to watch on League Pass, by the way. Because you never know what you're going to get every single night from these guys. And honestly, between uh, Carl Anthony Towns, I mean, in, in this situation, you just go with the best player on the best teams. And to me, I think Portland will get it right by the end and be in that eighth spot. Um, I think the Thunder fall out of that seventh spot, personally. And I know we talked them up earlier, but I think, honestly, trusting CP3 over the course of a whole season is... I wouldn't put my money in that basket, but I think the Trailblazers end up moving up to that seventh spot and the eighth spot. My personal team that I wanted to just get somewhere this year is Phoenix, just because. Just there's no rhyme or reason. It's just because, and what they're doing without Devin Booker and uh, Aiden's back now. He just got back. Yeah, he just started back. What they were doing with just. Wave God and Kelly Oubre was it was phenomenal, man. It was fun to watch. But I'm going to trust Carl Anthony Towns gets the Timberwolves to that A spot and prove that he is a top talent in this league that he is. Uh, I would the T Wolves. I'm not going to pick the T Wolves. I I don't know. I'm not a fan of their point guard situation. Not a big Jeff T guy. Uh, I don't know. Andrew Wiggins has been good, but I feel like he's been so bad. His first four years, and now that he's like decent, people are really like going crazy. Like he's like been like this amazing. Like he's not. It's not like he's an all star or anything. Like he's not that good. No. Uh. So especially in the West. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, right now, I don't know. My heart. My heart wants me to say the Spurs. But your heart's always gonna be. Yeah. My heart. I mean, just. I mean, look. Th- look. When you make the playoffs twenty two years in a row, why would I say they're gonna miss it this year? I'm a, you know, until until they're eliminated, why would I say they're going to miss it? I mean, I, from what we've seen in the first quarter of the season, basically, this is look. This, this is, is the same Spurs life. Look, this is the same team minus Dejounte Murray, who made who won 48 games last year. Correct. So you would think that, given some market correction, that they are going to turn it around. You would think. But then, I mean, you could say a lot of that about. Uh, Minnesota, you can say a lot what of What do you mean? Minnesota Sacramento. was bad last year. Well, Minnesota was improving last year, no, but they still got to, what, 30... What was the record last year? They were, they were the 10 seed last year. They were nothing. I think the two teams... If, if the Spurs... count out Sacramento, technically. I'm about to say. I, I mean, look, you got you know, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think the Spurs are going to make the playoffs. My brain is telling me no. So, with that being said, I think the Thunder are definitely going to hold on to that 7th spot. Or eighth spot, they're definitely going to hold on to a playoff spot. And I think the Kings, uh, they had Fox injured early, they had Bagley injured early, early. I think they're going to end up making the playoffs as well. Uh, those teams combined might win one game in the playoffs. Those seven and eights. Um, no dark horses. I know you're saying that maybe there's a dark horse out of those teams. There are no dark horses. Uh, I think the the West is actually pretty top heavy. I don't really like any team other than the Clippers and the Lakers. Uh, Completely top heavy. Yeah, so other than those two, I mean, I guess the Rockets are the third best because, again, they have Harden. We'll see, like, maybe he'll turn around the playoffs this time around or something uh, in terms of, like, not to say that he played bad because he definitely does have, lately, has had some good playoff games. But when you look at his numbers from the playoffs, they're always down compared to the regular season. Always. he's I'm, He puts up 50 in the, in the regular season. I've never seen him put up 50 in the playoffs. Because he won't. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so that's what I mean in terms of your grade number that scale. Yeah, so <laughs> they're a distant third, but they're third. Uh, Eastern Conference, 
And I feel like it's just like Portland. I mean, Portland made big steps last year in the playoffs, but but they they lost they lost immunity, they lost Harkless. Like now they have Whiteside. If they had Nurkic, they would be way better. I agree, but I mean the addition of Melo is proven to be better. Uh, I mean, better than that. I mean, I guess. I mean, there that was a a move of desperation that worked out complete. Well, for now, for now, for now, you know. But I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm sorry. I'm not as much as as much as I like Melo. I'm not. I'm not counting on Melo. I'm not banking on Melo. Not not put not saying that on my chest. And I'm that I'm saying that in the league where teams are still banking on CP3 and LeBron. Bro, CP3 is a hundred times better than Melo. In a league where they're still banking on these guys at these ages that they are, Portland needed a vet that could actually say, "I've been to some of these games," like. And they needed that. I guess I, they just needed scoring, and they got they got it from scoring. Let's let's set up these this Eastern Conference real quick. Uh, the first like seven seeds are pretty much locked up. So we have the Bucks, Celtics, Heat, Raptors, Sixers, Pacers, Nets. Then that A spot, your your Magic right there, locked in at that A spot right now. The Hornets, Pistons, and then maybe the Bulls. Probably not. So really, I guess this is the Magic Hornet. I think the Magic will probably make it again. So I would love the Magic to make it. However, this team is riding and dying by Terrence Ross and his streaky shooting. Because everyone else is doing what they need to do, except I would say Terrence Ross and Aaron Gordon. They are they are the two underperformers so far. I will say that Marco Fultz is getting better and better. I expect him to keep getting better it. as the year goes on. And I love it. That's a great trade for them. I love it. And DJ Augustine has really took him under the wing to show him how point guards really need to operate, especially in this offense that they're running. And, I mean, I couldn't ask for more between uh, them and Jonathan Isaac. I mean, they're just getting better. Um, Magic wasted their lottery pick on Romeo Kiki, who tore his ACL. But who? Uh, <laughs> who? <laughs> He's a lottery pick guy. From He's where? A, who? Three and D guy. He went to Virginia. He's a part of their thing. Oh. But, uh, nonetheless, Terrence Ross and Aaron Gordon is where the Magic are living and dying because when if Aaron well, Gordon keeps putting up these ten point box scores, well, they're look, not going to win. They're going against the Hornets and the Pistons right now for the eighth slot. So Derrick Rose is playing out of his mind well, right now. I mean, man. that's fine. That, <laughs> look, that's all fine and dandy. It'll come get, to earth. Like but, I said, like I said, look, the bar's low about that, that eighth side. The bar's low. So I hear you that the, you know that your Ross and Gordon are not great, but the bar being as low as it is. I mean, you should if, be they, fine. if they stay in the eighth seed and meet the Bucks, I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say have fun for you know. You the eighth seed, you they need swept. they need to get up a little bit. Well, that's not gonna like, happen because the net, look, the Nets right now. Look, the only I mean, I guess it could happen. Look, Kyrie could come back and ruin it. Kyrie could come back and ruin it for him. And maybe you could catch him if Kyrie the just if the Kyrie great comes back. So far, man. Hey, shout out to my Spurs. They're about to beat the Nets tonight. It, the, the Nets really look like uh, they had a very good chemistry, and then. The addition of Katie and Kyrie and them kind of be like, we got to give the team over to them now. Like, it's kind of looked like it's hitting at some of those guys' confidence, man. Yeah, that's and fair. they're not used to playing with somebody that's so ball dominant when they were so sharing the ball and making the extra pass last season. Right. And now you get Kyrie there, and he's been, you know, integrating into their system. But at the same time, he's more ball dominant, and they're just like, what? Are we, we just stand around now? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. So, flat and the last thing before we go, it's been a great, 
debut for on, on your on your behalf. I thank you. Uh, J.R. Smith. Hey, man. Look, you're a married Earl? man. You're a married man. I need Earl. to ask you. You're a married man. He's if you if I don't want to say I don't want to speak sp- cheating on your wife into existence because <laughs> you know you don't seem like that type of guy. Look, you yeah. know. But let's just pretend for a second. Hypothetical. 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 She might be listening, so it's very hypothetical. Hypothetical. Very hypothetical. Mm -hmm. If that were to happen, or you know, whatever, how would you feel about her then going on Instagram Live and for ten minutes and praying, praying Praying for you, and and really to use religion as a sneak diss because she prayed specifically for Candace Patton. To uh, stop preying on married men. Right. Like, God, she doesn't know what she's doing. The Lord <laughs> will answer this prayer and help Candace pass up. All right. So, listen. So, Earl cleaned it up, right? I ain't calling him Jay. I'm calling him Earl. So, Earl literally said that him and his wife has been separated. God told me to tell y'all. Four months. God told me to tell you. That was great. What a great line. God told me to let y'all know. Prayer was heard. We've been separated for months, and I'm living my life and doing what I want to do. Now, I completely agree with if that's the situation happening, Earl should be able to move on and do whatever he needs to do. Because a marriage, unfortunately, takes a long time to dissolve. Right. right. There's a lot of different things involved within it. Especially when you got money involved. And a separation is the first step of that. Right. Whereas if we're boyfriend and girlfriend and I tell you, I'm done, I'm done in that instant. I can go out that very next day and guess what? It's not cheating. Right. So why is that different? Because I have to wait for the courts and lawyers I'm say, I mean, to finish that off. It's a, yeah, because it's a transaction. It's, you know, it's a lot of paperwork so involved. So it's transactional. So right. like, this is not... I, I mean, I get it if one of the one of the people involved being his uh, his current wife, I guess, still wants to be involved with each other and it looks like he's moved on or moving on. Yeah. So you're always gonna have one person in relationships that probably doesn't want it to end. Right. But I fully agree with uh God told me to tell y'all. God told me to tell y'all that we've been separated, man, and I'm doing what I want to do. Now, we'll see if the Flash comes back and see next season. Um, if Candace Patton is looking a little extra spicy, I, I never even heard of her before. I guess I never watched the Flash either. So I've I've watched a lot of uh, the CW shows that they have. Yeah, see, I'm not, a C, I'm not, not a CW guy. Not yeah. a CW. Guy. So I wasn't until these shows started coming on. I checked it out, and I mean, she's she's a very good actress so far on the show. Very easy on the eyes, right? It's, it's not like he's cheating with some swamp possum or something like that. Like, Fair. Uh, if you even want to call it cheating. Right. Now, I got to bring this in. Like, what do we consider cheating, man? It's like, should he have waited for the divorce to be finalized before he even goes on a date? I mean, well, shit. That shit could last, like, years damn near. Like, that's a that's an awful big precedent you're setting. And technically, he... I mean, granted, he's unsigned right now, but... I mean, he's an NBA player. They get appearances. They're flying to this city, flying to that city. They have children involved too, so it's like you gotta, you gotta put a ribbon bow on all that stuff, man. But at the same time, if he said I'm done, I'm done. 
Can't fault the man for that. Fair enough. And on that note, God told me to tell y'all this podcast is done. Signing off. Yes, sir. Thank you for ha- uh, for coming on. Uh, do you got Twitter for the folks? At Hush underscore Pope on everything, man. All right. There we go. Hush Pope. Uh, I don't know if your tweets are as good as you're on the podcast. I, 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 don't, I don't even follow you myself, so I can't endorse you in that way, but y'all can find out. Uh, episode 22, no timeouts. Appreciate y'all. Till next time.